listening to Voices of IFES, where we speak with people from around the IFES Fellowship about all things student ministry. Hello and welcome to Voices of IFES. I'm Maeva. I work for um, the communication team in IFES and today I'm joined by Carwin Stewart. He works for uh, CariFest in the Caribbean. Hello, Carwin. Oh, good morning. Good day to you, Meva. So, Kerwin, where are you right now? So, thanks for asking. So, I am from the lovely island of St. Lucia. Yeah, so St. Lucia is in the uh, one of the Caribbean islands. And yes, I function from out of St. Lucia. Okay. So, do you come from Guyane or no? You said something yes. like that. Yes, you're correct. So I am from Guyana, okay. which is South America. Uh, Guyana is also one of the movements in the Carafest Islands. So uh, I was seconded to St. Lucia about uh, 12 years ago to serve here as staff uh, before transitioning to the Carafest team. Oh, so how's the weather in St. Lucia right now? We are in February. How is it? <laughs> so in, in, in June, the month of January and February, March, they're about, oh, the weather is fairly cool. So it's like in the mid 20s, um, but beyond from April, right up to December, right to November, it's like in the mid 30s. Uh, so this is pretty cool for the Caribbean weather at this time. So somebody that, somebody coming from the UK will just enjoy this. It's not too sweaty. Mm. Uh, it's, it's cool and yeah, wonderful. So that's it. So can you tell me a little bit about yourself? So you already told me you're from Guyana and now you live in St. Lucia. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Oh, sure. So um, as you said, my name is Kerwin Stewart and I am married to the lovely Ayodeli Stewart, my wife, uh, who has been great support to me. I think she's one of the, uh, the pillars of my of, of me being in full-time ministry. Just before we got married, I, I started working on staff. As a matter of fact, I came on staff in 1998. So I've been serving in, in full-time ministry. And the very initial stages was very, very difficult. So you, you needed to ensure that the people on your table of influence are supportive of you. And um, I found my wife at a very early age, and she has been a staunch supporter of me being in full-time ministry. We don't have children as yet, um, but my wife, she, she works as a clinical counselor for the local hospital here. And uh, the Lord has allowed us to, to mentor lots of, lots, lots of young people, particularly here in St. Lucia. So we do have lots of spiritual children. We have about 26 of them. And we give God thanks for, for that. So that's a little bit of who I am. I, I love to work with my hands outside of ministry. So if you give me some a piece of wood and some tools, I can make something beautiful out of it. So that's, that's basically um, a little bit of who I am. I'm actively involved in ministry and youth ministry and also at the current level. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So you talked a little bit about your, um, like you being in IFES for a while. Can you tell me how you started, what you were doing and um, what you're doing now? Yeah, sure. So in 1998, I was approached by a staff worker in, in Guyane. This is Wedisef, West Demerar into School Christian Fellowship. So uh, he came, I was just about 18, and he asked whether I would like to serve as a staff 
uh, little, I had no idea what a staff really meant. <laughs> so he came, um, but because I, I served as a student leader at my secondary school in Guyana, the, the ISCF focused on primary education, secondary education and tertiary education. So from, from the secondary school, I became a student leader. And as uh, soon as I finished the, the examination to move from high school to uh, university, I was approached by Mr. Fazal Ali asking me whether I would love to join the staff team of Guyana. I was very reluctant at that time, but my parents who were also ISCFers, as we would call them, uh, they encouraged me, Kerwin, you know, you can go and see what it's like. And this was never something I dreamed of, I must say. I've always wanted to work in the financial institutions, uh, maybe as a bank or insurance companies, these kinds of, you know, hopefully to make lots and lots of money. That was the intent. Can you imagine me as a teenager? Um, so when I came, I decided to take the, the, the task of being a staff. And the first few years were very, very difficult. Even though I enjoyed what I do or what I did, the, the uh, remuneration was very, very low. And um, I moved from school to school in Guyana with a motorcycle. And sometimes that motorcycle had not enough gas to get from one school to the next. Um, so sometimes you had to be pushing the bike uh, to get to the gas station. Uh, the, the bike was not the newest bike. So sometimes parts just fall off and, and you're at risk of, of falling and all kinds of other stuff. But, you know, in retrospect, you can say that God kept me during that season. So I served in Guyana as a staff for 10 years. After the second year, I really understood the gravity of such a ministry. So I really decided at that time to seek the Lord's face. I left the movement for a short while. And I said, God, I, if this is what you're calling me to do, I want you to be very, um, I want you to, to prove it to me. Because from since then, I was very, very radical in my faith and the Lord opened the door for me to travel for the very first time in my life. And I went to uh, Kenya, Nairobi, Kenya. And at that time, it, there was about 800,000 street children. And the Lord just used that opportunity, that opportunity to, to let me know that he has called me to feed the hungry of the Caribbean. I had no idea that I would be uh, on the Carifest team. This is about, uh, 1998 is a long, long time ago. It's about 20, 20 odd years. Yeah, so in 2008, after serving on staff in Guyana for 10 years, the CARFES made, um, CARFES asked whether there is any staff within the region who would like to serve in St. Lucia at the time. At that time, St. Lucia was without a staff for seven years. And I was becoming a little bored of going the same. I had 43, I was responsible for 43 schools. And after 10 years, you knew the schools and you knew the people, became, became a little bored. So they asked whether I would come. I was just married. And so I was very hesitant, but I was happy to um, have that conversation with the then general secretary, uh, Desmond Rogers. And even though my wife started university, uh, it was the, she was in the first year. I, I brought the conversation to her and she said that when she got married, when we got married, she told the Lord, wherever he sends me, she would go. And we moved to St. Lucia. She left university, um, moved to St. Lucia. What a sacrifice. And um, one that I'm, 
you know, eternally indebted to her for because it, Lucia really was a move uh, that the Lord had really wanted me to be here. Because I mean, the, the mentoring and the ministry and so forth. Here is where I began to see the fruits of the IFES ministry. Uh, so we moved to St. Lucia in 2008 and we served, I particularly served as staff. She taught during that time. I was happy that she was able to complete university here. And now she is she is practicing uh, as a clinical counselor. So you kind of see the reward of that sacrifice. You could not see it then, but after you stuck with the Lord and, and asked the questions and, and you grapple with the difficult, difficult situations, uh, we see that he came through for us. So uh, in 2019, the, there was a vacancy for the associate regional secretary and um, I was recommended and I decided to apply. And I've been serving with the Carifus movement. I've been assisting the regional secretary, Mr. Mark Colvar. And now we have, by extension, three other persons on the team. And uh, we are happy to, to serve at this level. And so are you still working with the movement in St. Lucia? Because you stay there in the end. Or like there's no link with them. So definitely there is, there is uh, St. Lucia is, at, is in my heart and a few last two weeks ago we met, I met with the board chair and we sat and we really talked through what's happening on the ground. But uh, I do not work directly with the movement, but because I have the privilege of living in St. Lucia, I'm able to touch base with the staff and, and hear what's happening on the ground and to keep my, keep my feet wet more or less, you know, have opportunities to ministers, minister camps and so forth. Uh, but my office, I function out of St. Lucia mm. uh, in the regional office. Okay. Could you tell me a little bit about the, con the context of um, Carrie Fest? So like when, um, yeah, the, they were like the first movement and like the number of movement, a um, number of people approximately. Um, so uh, I can share a little bit about the amount of movements we have. We currently have 19 movements in the region. Uh, we have five French territories and we have 14 English speaking territories. Uh, so the, the, we're largely a Christian nations, largely Christian nations. And I'm, I may not be able to give you a, a number of influence at this time, but we have, you know, we're spread across the, the Caribbean region. We are largely Christian, as I just mentioned. However, in countries like Guyana, Suriname, Trinidad, we do have some Hindu and Muslim influences in, in those countries. Those are the bigger countries uh, within the region. So, uh, so Carifas, we, we, we only at this time, we only have, well, I say only, but we wanna bless the Lord for, for the six general secretaries that we do have. Uh, you know, the structure, the ideal structure of a movement is to have a functioning board, board chair, to have a general secretary and to have staff. Uh, so far, we only have uh, six general secretaries and we really thank the Lord for them. They've been working assiduously in their individual movements. Uh, so we try to meet and encourage them as much as possible to be their servants. We want to really give God thanks. And I'm sure we will talk about that a little later in the, in the podcast for uh, Mr. John Davey. He is our new Francophone staff, and he has been serving the Francophone regions in, in, in the Caribbean. 
the context there is that only Haiti, and uh, Haiti has a long history. We don't have time in the podcast to, to really delve into what is happening in Haiti, but I'm sure that many of you are listening that you, uh, if you just Google Haiti, you will be able to see uh, some of the, the plight that the people face there consistently over the past um, few decades. But we do have a staff there and working under very strenuous conditions. And we want to thank the Lord for him. Um, so we do have students and student testimonies coming in out of Haiti. But the other regions, we talk at the other territories like Martinique, uh, French Guyana, Guadeloupe, and uh, St. Martin, we do not have a staff and we had no staff over the last 10 years. So Mark, who is now the regional secretary, he served then as the French liaison. So he would be the person who touch base from the office of the regional secretary as the associate regional secretary, connect with the Francophone region. But you can understand, uh, Mehaven, that now uh, having the regional secretary's post would be difficult for him to grapple with all of the dynamics, including being the liaison for the Francophone region. So we now have Mr. Uh, Gide, as, as we call him fondly, and he's serving in the region and he's doing a great work so far. So that's a little bit about what is happening uh, in the context of CARFAS. Uh, but maybe another time we can talk extensively more about that, Mabel. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I would love to hear more. It's very interesting. So can you tell me what you've been working on in the past year? Ah, so uh, thank you again. The the CARFAS team, and you can imagine, Maeva, in the pandemic, I mean, the word unprecedented has been used on many, many occasions. Um, and for us to, uh, Mark, Mark came in as a regional secretary just before the pandemic uh, hit. So we had lots and lots of plans for the region. And just one by one, these things, we need we needed to move them off the agenda. Uh, but one of the things that, that has been happening in, in CARFAS is prayer. Before the pandemic hit, we installed more or less what we call a prayer task force. And the prayer task force is made up of uh, persons within the region. So we selected, we sent out notices to all of the territories in the region and we, we said, listen, send us your prayer representative because we want to not just have them pray in isolation. We want to bring them together with like an army of prayer prayer warriors. And we have this young lady from Grenada, Cheryl, who is the lead of that prayer task force. And this task force kicked in about just about six months before the pandemic hit. So we felt like God was really setting us up for this reality of the pandemic. And now in retrospect, we're like, oh, thank God, because we could not imagine working through Mark as a new regional secretary, I am a, as a new associate regional secretary, we would not have been able to manage through the pandemic. So we just give God thanks to prayer. We continue to have new prayer initiatives uh, within the region. And one is the 40 days of prayer and intercession. And this happens about May, June, July. And this has been one of the signature events for, uh, for us as a CARFES family where we met every Thursday in Zoom and the Carfest family from across the region would come and we would pray. We had student-focused prayer. We had uh, extensive prayer in the region. We prayed, there, there is where we prayed for our new uh, movements that we want to pioneer. We spent extensive time praying and praying and praying and seeking the face of God. 
for what he wants to do in this time. You can, you can imagine, Maeva, this was a real lamp and light experience where you, you, you can't, you don't have this torchlight where you, where you can pitch into the future because you don't know what the future holds. And we really had to go before God and say, God, tell us what to do today. Tell us what to do today. And sometimes as, as, as a Carapest team, Mark and I was like, is this what we're supposed to be doing? You know, shouldn't we have this wonderful grand plan? Uh, but we, we saw the hand of God moving specifically in those areas, especially with prayer. Another thing we've been doing in the region, Mahiba, is the developing our communication base. Uh, before last year, Carapest has never had a... Um, a communication team. And since I came on in the 90s, I just knew of the regional secretary as the person in the CARFS office. We had a regional secretary and of recent we had an associate regional secretary, but there was nobody working in the communication. So we had no website, we had absolutely no newsletter, we had no bullets, we had nothing. So people, we just, we would just hear from the regional secretary um, you know, when information is necessary. But the Lord has allowed us to build a robust, I want to say, a robust communication team in the person of um, Karina and Nicholas. And may have, I just really want to bless the Lord for them. The Lord has uh, sent these two young people to the Carfes team, and they have been working assiduously to ensure that the word goes out, especially in the pandemic. I mean, we, there's no travel, so we don't get the chance to go and to visit. So we depended, we are now depending heavily on uh, the communication base of the, of the movement. I just want to bless the Lord for them. Since, they have, since the communication team has been installed, we now have an active website, carfest.org. And, and of course, Mehiba, you will also know that we are in communication with the communication team from IFES to see if we can now uh, extend the CARFS website beyond just a .org, but just be a part of what IFS is doing there. Uh, in addition to that, we've sent out several newsletters since over the last couple of years, so people are now informed. And of course, sending newsletters, we are getting responses from people from all across the world. Uh, we have many, many folk in the Caribbean, in the diaspora, and they're like, yes, thank God for, uh, we, we know what is happening now in, in the Carfes, in, in Carfes. We also send out prayer bulletins so that people can join us consistently in prayer. So that also falls and kind of cushions the, the prayer initiative uh, in the region. So those are, are two things um, that we're working on. Uh, in addition to that, giving has always been a challenge. And of course, we, this, is, this podcast is going to really uh, raise some of those crucial issues about giving. We have, we have also struggled with our receiving of gifts. Many people want to give, but we had no proper mechanism to receive these gifts. Now with the CARFES communication team, we now have a platform so that people can give to us through our website. Mahiva, we just went on our knees and just give God thanks for this. For many of the other movements, this has been something that they know of for the last 20, 30 years, they have done that. So we are now really taking baby steps. So we just really want to give God thanks for what we do, what he's doing. So lots of the, mecha the mechanism required, lots of connections and sending in forms and all kinds of, all those protocols we needed to follow. But now, praise God, as we speak, 
on this podcast, people can jump online to carapace.org and give. So those are three things I really just wanted to emphasize in terms of what is happening now uh, in the Carapace region. Well, thank you for sharing that with me and with everyone listening. So last year, IFIS organized a global giving day and you were one of the regions that uh, were participating um, and gave a project and people were able to give. So can you tell me what was the project that uh, people supported? Yeah, can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure, Mehva. Uh, you know, last year we were so excited when we heard of the opportunity to, um, to, to submit a project. And at that time, coming out of our 40 days in prayer, the year before, we were praying for the BVI, the British Virgin Islands. We were uh, anticipating the part, we wanted to pioneer that movement. And uh, so when we heard of the, the Give Day, we submitted the project with the hope of really pioneering this movement. Uh, so uh, just to tell you a little bit about the BVI, the BVI is officially one of the Virgin Islands and it's a part of the Caribbean. It's just uh, east of Puerto Rico and north of Anguilla. So just that you get a little understanding of where exactly it is, if you, if, for those of you who are looking for it on the map. So the BVI depends heavily on, on tourism and financial services. As a matter of fact, based on Wikipedia, is 45% of the national income comes from, from tourism, and the next 45% comes from financial services. BVI is also known as a Christian nation, but the majority of about 39% of the, the 30,000 people that live there will subscribe to being Methodist. Within the educational system, we have about, uh, I think it's 15 primary schools and just about uh, seven secondary schools, but we also have a community college, which is known as HLSCC College, uh, which has about 600 students there uh, in the BVI. So, so just before the, just after the, the 40 days of prayer, we started the conversation with a young man in the British Virgin Islands, but he moved from Guyana and he was a good friend of mine. He moved from Guyana to the BVI and Mava, would you believe it, that he was on staff in Guyana? So I was so excited at the time where we were sending this proposal because we started the conversation and we started to understand what is happening in the BVI and what we can do. We started the conversation, but we extended the conversation beyond just what we can do about talking to other persons who might be interested. And we were excited, we were excited. But what happened, Maeva, is, is really, as I spoke to you about the Lampanite experience, is that we were not able to, um, for want of a better word, invade or pioneer BVI as we really wanted to. Uh, the pandemic, we were planning before, we were planning before to have a, a meeting where we do an orientation, go and meet with interested persons, go and talk with the pastors. This is how we do it in the, in the Caribbean region. Um, but we were not able to have those kinds of conversations, of course, because of the pandemic. And he also, um, he, he got married within the, the pandemic. So I decided to give him that space so that he can, you know, um, spend that time, you know, preparing and after the wedding, give him time to really get to know his wife and so forth. So we were not able to do as planned initially with respect to the BVI. But we are still, BVI is still in our prayers, and we, we know that with the help of the Holy Spirit in the right time, that we will uh, pioneer the BVI. 
Well, so the person that was supposed to go to BVI is still in Guyana then, or has he moved to, has he moved there? So, so he lives in the BVI. Oh, okay. Uh, so he now he lived in BVI, but it's a good question because he moved from the BVI to the USA to get married and he's now back in the BVI. So as of two months ago, he came back to the BVI, okay. uh, now lives there. Okay, so I don't understand. You're waiting to do like all the, the introduction to like how to pioneer or what's happening, what's holding off? So, so where we are now, we need to continue the conversation with him mm. about having, uh, making connections on the ground with persons who are interested in uh, having a student movement. And uh, the next move will be, so after that conversation, we will meet with them and have orientation, do an introduction about what the movement is about, give them an opportunity to see if this is actually something that they're, that they're being led to. Because you know, sometimes when people hear about a particular movement, they, be, they become very, very excited. Uh, but you don't want people just to come on because they're excited. You want them to go and wait before God and to hear whether this is something that they want to do. Uh, so that would be the next stage. And then we meet with them. So Mark or myself, we would go to the, to, to the BVI. And now we begin to have meetings with individuals. We begin to have meetings with churches, meetings with students possibly to hear uh, what is the heart of God in, in the island. That's amazing that there's like, this is going to happen in the next few years. How long do you think it takes to pioneer in small places like that? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, and I wish I were able to give you a, a precise answer, but it really, it's really, you have to keep the keep your ears on the ground, maybe. And um, you know, sometimes in, in previous pioneering initiatives, some things develop very quickly, some things develop and then they, they, they die. Um, you really want to you really want to ensure that from your our perspective, from the human perspective, that we don't rush it. Sometimes when you want to start a movement, you feel like, let's get it and start it now. And, and there were moments of frustration for Mark and I as we were uh, facing the pandemic because we want sometimes we want to get things started, especially, you know, the resources are there. You want people, you don't want people to think that the resources that they've given just sit in there somewhere. But many times we were reminded that the work of the Lord first is the Lord of the work. And we spend time with the Lord of the work and tell the Lord of the work to make us, you know, laborers in his vineyard. So we've spent lots of time grappling with that as, as we think about pioneering in the, in the region, particularly with the BVI. Okay. And also I have a question. What's the impact uh, in the fact that there's loads of Methodists? So how do you engage with them knowing that you're all Christian, but it's just another denomination? Uh, yeah, so most times, based, based on the research, is that we also have about 10% of Pentecostals. Mm -hmm. But because ICF is largely interdenominational, not use the, the religious denominations as, as a means to segregate, we're going to work with you. And when I say we're going to work with you, we sell the vision to you. So I know of persons who are Seventh-day Adventists who are part of IFES in different contexts. So we sell the vision to the pastors and the ministers. This is what ICF is about. And we show them from the doctrinal statement, this is what we believe. This is what we want to see happen. And Ameva, especially in the Caribbean region, when we talk about students and the potential to see students come to know the, the Lord Jesus Christ, we have seen transformation in every single facet. 
when, when a student comes to know Jesus Christ, he does not just become a good uh, Christian, he becomes a good person. So just backing up a little bit in terms of how do we how do we deal with that? In the past, we have sat with Catholics, persons who are Catholics, and we say, this is the vision. This is what God has sent us to do. Um, where you sit, do you believe that you can come on board and support us? And most times we've had people from uh, a wide array of religions that come together. And may, may I say this? This has been uh, a testimony of, for us also in the region. It is at the CARFS and IFES levels in the, in the local movement where you see people from all different Christian backgrounds come together and they sit and they discuss. At those times, they look at the things that brings us together, not the things that separate us. And so ICF ingrained in its culture and its ethos has this potential and ability for people to work together from all across the world. So uh, we have seen that. And so this is not even a threat for us as, as, as we think about um, pioneering movements within the, uh, the, the region. And moving on to this year, we have another global, it's called Generosity Day, and it's on the 9th of March. And you submitted a new project, but this time it's with the Francophone part of the Caribbean. Can you tell me a little bit about this project? Yes, I'd be happy to uh, to tell you about what we call Pro Staff. Pro, it's known as Pro Staff. It's the Francophone Staff Workers Fund. And um, a little earlier, I mentioned about the the Francophone region. We now have a staff. His name is, is Jean Levy, and he is in the Carfest. He is working as a part of the Carfest team, serving the Francophone region. And this project is to fund, this fund that we are raising will go directly towards his ministry in terms of his sustenance. He's working with Haiti, French Guyana, Guadeloupe, Martinique, um, and uh, the French St. Martin. And particularly, this is important to us, particularly because we think, we know that students need to experience the transformative power of Jesus Christ. And in the Francophone region, there is an imposed religious free zone in the, in the schools and universities. So unlike the English speaking territories, we have, uh, we can go into the schools, we can go into the universities and just preach Jesus Christ. It is not like that in the Francophone region. So we need to be more, we need to be more strategic in order for the gospel to get to the university in the Francophone region. We have lots of Christians, but at the university level, we are not allowed to go into the schools from outside in. But if we have students, they move from inside out. And that's the beauty. And uh, the Caribbean has lots of dynamics and that's one of the dynamics and we're excited about it. So GDA has been working assiduously with students. We have lots and lots of uh, testimonies about what he has been doing in the region. Uh, we, we have student, more and more student initiatives coming on. And so this project is really to help fund him so that he can continue to serve uh, in the ministry uh, in the Francophone regions. Yeah, because in France, like because loads of those places are French and in France is very secular. So the rules are very different and you can't do loads of things in the university and things like that. Correct. Um, French territories in, in uh, the region they're heavily influenced by culture of France. So you're right, Mehiba, to say that, you know, secularism is, is running rampant. 
within the Francophone region. But even as we see that, we become more optimistic that God is going to save and salvage uh, souls from the pits of hell. Yeah. Why would you encourage students to give? Because this year we want, like, we want to encourage everyone to give. And it, it wouldn't be like 100. You can give just one or two, three euro, pound, dollar, whatever. And why would you encourage them to give? I will encourage them to give because we see this as a response to what God is calling us to do in the region. Having a staff means that there's an active movement or active move towards seeing students discipled for Christ. That's one. The second reason why I would really encourage people to give is that we have prayed and we see this as a response to the call to disciple students within the Francophone region. And so far, I don't have a specific testimony, but so far for the last seven months, Jide has been working and there is better camaraderie already among the graduates. And you know, the graduates movement is a very critical movement in any ministry. So there have been several graduates initiative. I, I would say, I would say give, because this is this is what we believe the Lord has led us to do at this time. And Jide has responded to the call. A young man, we don't have very many young men responded to the call. And I was happy that he responded you know, in his mid-20s uh, to the call of God to serve the students in the Francophone region. I really look forward to um, hear from him and in French <laughs> um, to know how it's going. And... I had another question. So when we hear about uh, some of IFE's projects that have been an ongoing work for a while, we might think that it could be frustrating. How do you find hope in those times where a ministry seems a challenging work? You know, uh, maybe I'm reminded of Matthew chapter 8. And there's a particular story that is clutched in the Matthew 8, just after Peter's uh, mother-in-law uh, receiver healing very familiar story. I'm sure you would have heard about it before where Jesus and his disciples got into this boat and they were going to the other side, wherever that side was. And the Bible says suddenly, and when I hear about suddenly, I think about the pandemic. This thing that started, you know, somewhere in the backside of China, maybe. And then suddenly the entire world is in a frenzy and people are dying. Thousands of people are dying. The Bible says, suddenly a furious storm came up in that lake. The storm tossed the boats back and forth, up and down. And that's exactly, that epitomizes the lives of many persons. They are mourning, many people are crying, people are still dying. So we're in a storm. And it came up suddenly. And the world is trying to find answers. We have vaccines. Vaccines are being rolled out. It's been mandated. We have people who are opposed to it. We have anti. We have, we have all kinds of new names. But we're in this storm. So my hope remains that I'm looking for Jesus in all of this. And I encourage all of you listeners. I mean, the storm can be treacherous. But if you look for Jesus, you'll find him. I may have, I have spent some personal time with Christ. You know, we have not traveled for many years, as it's custom. 
spend those quiet time with the Holy Spirit and something happens in that space where hope, where this confident expectation begins to grow from deep within. And that's the message we want to send. That's the message that, that preserves us, preserves me as the Associate Regional Secretary. And that's the message that I send to the team consistently. Guys, Jesus is here somewhere. And he has not spoken to the storm or he has spoken to the storm and the storm is beginning to calm. But I know that even in this particular lake, if he doesn't speak to the storm, when you're with Jesus, you're in a safe space. And um, I encourage, I mean, lots of, lots of the, the traditional Christian values and, and practices have been challenged. Church, for example, may have people who aren't able to go to church and many people have become cold. And it's, isn't this a time, isn't this a revealing time to see where and why we need discipleship, as I spoke about before? And IFES is big on discipleship, leadership, discipleship, evangelism. So we see that as we partner with the churches that we can bring to them this discipleship mechanism where everyone comes to know Jesus Christ for themselves. So for me, what keeps and preserves me is that I'm always keeping my eyes to see where and to whom Jesus is pointing to. Thank you. I was a bit emotional during when you were saying that. Oh, thank you. It's like, it's truth that we just forget. And yeah, we know that he's always there. Mm-hmm. Um, could you share with me two encouraging testimonies that have really mocked you during your ministry um, within your time in IFES? So uh, the remarkable one has to be the, the Lord leading me to disciple others. I was trying to think about, should I give a specific one? But in a whole my wife and I had a session once and we said, we're going to invite all of our spiritual children. And we had close to 30. And just to see how these lives have marked other lives in this little small space that I call my home. We had, we had a two bedroom apartment when we were work, when we were serving here in St. Lucia. And we had sometimes 20 students overnighting in that small space. This is before pandemic, so there was no mask, but you had, they would come and they would cook and they would eat and they would sleep and they would just talk and they would argue and they would cry and they would laugh. To me, this really captures what God wants to do in our world today. If we can get two persons to speak into their lives, three persons to speak into their lives, especially Mahiva, especially now in this technologized age where we have become more and more separated, but we have not lost the need to be belong. It's just that people find an alternative substitute that does not always work. So I just really want to highlight that fact. It's, It's an extensive one, so I just highlight the fact that just seeing students come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior. And one of my mentees, she was, she became the staff after I left the staff worker. I was like, God, this is, I hear about these things, but I never knew that you would have used me so that I could see my mentee who, you know, had other desires just like I did. I wanted to be in this bank and so forth. 
And now I would not exchange RFPS for nothing in the world. I could tell you that. I couldn't tell you that 15 years ago because I was really grappling with the needs that I have and so forth. But uh, I think that's what marks me. And maybe I'm saying too much here, but just to say that just to see students come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior, not just to say, I, I know Jesus Christ uh, or hear about Jesus Christ, but this is the path that the Lord has called me to. Um, yeah, so that's, that has to be one of the, the great things. I think uh, from a team perspective, though, Mark and I, we were praying for, for, for I think it's just about 18 months for the, for the communication team. And them coming on has been a real, real joy. So uh, those are two, one, you know, more personal and one from the Carver's perspective, what I've seen the Lord done. And I've shared with you before from, you know, how the Carver's communication team has really aided the process. Thank you. Can you tell me, your plans for the next year like with I with Carifus and and you personally uh, so I'll give you from the Carifus perspective uh, first Maeva we are really looking now to strengthen our fund development initiatives uh, what we now have is a series of meetings we have we're trying to have four meetings annually where we sit and we speak with the different national movements at an online forum for now about their uh, fund development strategies. And we see this as really rubbing shoulders, iron sharpening iron. So we come and we meet and we talk. Uh, so we had our first meeting last year. We have one in, in the middle of March where we sit and we grapple with what is happening in your context. So how are you fundraising? What are the challenges that you have in there? Uh, and those other movements who are having similar challenges or those who have successes based on your failures, we can now share and we can make CARFES more of a strengthening kind of um, initiative where we strengthen other movements. So fund development is one of those areas. Uh, and maybe I could share a little bit about you, with you, uh, Maeva, that the Caribbean is, is accustomed to receiving. So many of the persons in the region have family, um, somebody in, in, in one of these quote unquote first world countries. And most times family would send um, boxes and bars. So we have a culture of receiving. So it's very difficult for many persons to actually give. So it's within that context that we operate in Carifa. So many persons always look to the US and look to, to British to give to them. And we're now trying to, to retrain a culture uh, in the region where people can see that they also can give. So the fund development uh, initiative is not one where we have a lot of money and we're asking people to give into a particular area. It's we're trying to, to move from the grassroots grassroot levels where we say, okay, guys, this is how the scripture uh, should be applied to giving. We can give a little bit. We can give to this. We can give to that. So the fund development initiative is, is one that we're looking at. You are fully aware also, the second thing I want to talk about is the implementation of the new IFES strategy, Thriving Together. So we ourselves are, are being trained. So uh, within the next year or so, we hope to focus a lot on the new IFES strategies. And yes, we are also looking for opportunities to continue our pioneer efforts in the region. As we spoke about the BVI, we are also now in conversation with the Bahamas. There is a student movement in the Bahamas, but we are talking through about what the relationship is going to look like. 
Uh, we are still pioneering in St. Kitts. We are re-pioneering countries like Dominica and the uh, St. Martin and so forth. So we're looking forward to the next year to see what the Lord is going to do uh, in these specific areas. How can we support you for, yeah, you and your ministry? And do you need people to give? Do you need more uh, people to serve, pray? Tell me um, and tell us that we're listening how we can support you guys. So maybe this is an opportunity for me to thank you because this initiative is an excellent partnership one. So now, even if it's just one more person here in this podcast, they know what is happening now in the region. So this is an excellent support initiative. And I want to say thank you. We want to ask you also to pray with us. And sometimes, you know, one writer reminded us that we, we speak more about prayer than we actually pray. I'm not asking you to, to speak with me about prayer. I'm asking you to pray with me. Pray with us as a region. We are fighting a real warfare. As a matter of fact, all of the regions, this, this is going to be a reality for them. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against principalities and powers, rules of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places, structural principalities. We're, we're, we're fighting against Beelzebub. We're fighting a real warfare. And we have committed ourselves, many of us have committed ourselves to full-time ministry. In other words, we're going into the places, we're going to find them. We want you to stay where you are, if you may, and pray with us. But that does not mean that we are alone. That does not mean that we are the persons back up. We want you to stay and pray with us. But this does not in any way, shape, or form suggest that we're doing the work. You're doing the work with us. So we want, we want that kind of partnership as you pray with us. But we also want to be able to support. Uh, we, we also want to be able to reciprocate by sharing with you what is happening in the region. So we would love if you can join our uh, newsletter, if you can be a part of uh, the newsletter database. So you can send your emails to Maeva and uh, she's going to send it to us so that we can let you know what is happening in the region. And you can also come and partner with us. We, we are looking for staff. We're looking for, for volunteers in the region. So uh, you can just drop us a line and let us start the conversation as to how you can serve within this region. It's a beautiful place. I mean, uh, many persons say, you know, we live where people come to vacate. <laughs> and that's very, very true for many of the islands. So you can come and partner with us. You can volunteer with us. And finally, as, as, as this is about giving, you can give. You can give, but we don't want you to give out of a vacuum. We want you to give with understanding that, you know, every single sense that you give to this movement, we seek to impact the lives of students in the region. Those are the ways I, I feel, you know, those persons who are listening can, can make a contribution. Thank you so much. I will put the link in the description of people for people to give, for people to subscribe to your newsletter and other information if you want to know more about Carryfest. And go serve there. It's a paradise. <laughs> it's like hot all the time. <laughs> if you like the hot. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much. I had such a great time, Carolyn. And I feel like I know Carifest very well. I didn't know anything about it, to be honest. So if you're listening and you have more questions, just contact them. They're very happy to chat with you guys. And thank you so much, Carolyn. 
Thank you very much, Maeva. Thank you, um, listeners, for you know giving us your time and your space to share this morning. The Lord bless you. Thank you. Well, have a good day because it's the beginning of the day for you when we're recording this. Um, and hopefully see you next time. Thanks for listening to Voices of Ifi. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform to hear more interviews like this one today. If you want to hear stories of how students are transforming their campuses around the world, subscribe to Prayerline, our weekly newsletter with inspiring stories to help you pray for student movement. You can go to ifysworld.org to subscribe or follow us on Instagram and Facebook to listen to stories in audio form.